Welcome to Explore Europe, a podcast series for American military stationed in and around Germany. Each episode brings you travel tips and local secrets to help you get the most out of your time overseas. This episode is proudly sponsored by Used Car Guys. Pre-owned military car sales all over Germany and new car sales for stateside delivery when you PCS. Good cars from good guys. And now, introducing your hosts, Michelle Peirce and John Sweeney, who've been living in Germany and exploring Europe for over 15 years. So, where should we explore today? Well, there's only one way to find out. It's on with the show. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Explore Europe. We're recording this in June of 2018 and I have to say the weather in Germany is currently absolutely glorious. How's your weekend been, John? Have you been enjoying this lovely sunshine? Been out and about with the dog, having a walk around. Stayed local this weekend, uh, but the weather, as you say, has been wonderful, so it's good to get out. Yeah. Do you ever go to any of these um, outside lakes or swimming pools that are very popular in Germany? We have one just about five, ten-minute walk from the, the house called Seawug. Um, they have um, a small little hut. They have a, a pizzeria nearby, and it gets very busy in the warmer weather. It's in the forest, so it's all under shade, and they're about to start renovating it at the end of the year. So they're spending something silly like three quarters of a million euros on the place. So it's going to be very, very nice. Wow, sounds lovely. It's one of the things I most like about being in Germany, actually. They have this fantastic outdoor culture that they really embrace. They love getting out and about. There's trails everywhere for walking and biking. Yeah. We live in the middle of a forest here in the Rheinland-Pfalz. So you can get out and about, walk. Uh, you see on a Sunday, the kids are out, people are skating down the trails. It's really, really good. It's made for it. Yeah, absolutely. But today we're actually leaving Germany for our uh, our next visit. Where are we heading to? We're going to the beautiful, the wonderful Budapest in Hungary. Okay, not to be confused with Bucharest in Romania, <laughs> which is something that I mess up all the time. Well, it's it's two. It was two separate towns, Buda yeah. and Pest. So that's why Budapest. Ah, okay. And what are they separated by the river or something? Is that where it comes comes together? The River Danube separates them, and yeah. Buda was the very affluent area. It's where the royal palace was built, mm-hmm. and Pest was where the not so affluent or the poor people, or probably we would call them pests, live. Yeah, uh, <laughs> very apt. And so, what made you choose Budapest to visit this time? I've always wanted to go. Um, I went to Russia uh, twice now. Really enjoyed Russia and like going east. Um, so Budapest was just one of these places that come up. I'd done Prague many years ago. I'm going to go back for the Explore Europe uh, campaign. Mm-hmm. But Budapest was somewhere I'd never been. I talked about it. I wanted to go. And it's not on everyone's bucket list. You know, people come to Europe. They talk about Paris. They talk about London. They talk about Prague. Not so many people talk about Budapest. So I wanted to try something a little bit different. Read up quite a bit about it. Got there and I was not disappointed at all. Wow. So it's a bit of a hidden gem in uh, Eastern Europe, is it? Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, let's get stuck in. Start by telling us how you got there. Um, we went from Frankfurt Airport with Wow Air, which is very similar to Ryanair, but a little bit nicer. Uh, flights were very inexpensive. Book early, as always, with these low-budget airlines. The closer you leave it to the date, the more expensive it becomes. Um, straight into Budapest. Taxi from the airport um, into, right into the town centre. Found a good hotel in the town centre. Everything was in, within walking distance. And arrived, I think, late on the Friday night. Okay, so was this a Friday to Sunday trip or Friday to Monday? Uh, it's actually Thursday night till Sunday. Okay, good. So a nice little weekend getaway. Yes. 
Brilliant. And how did you find your hotel? Uh, Ramona booked the hotel. She found it on Booking.com. You love Booking.com, don't you? <laughs> she likes the deals on, on Booking.com. So uh, she found the hotel there. Uh, like I say, it was bang smack town centre. Not too expensive. One of the best things, probably one of the things that drew me to Budapest, is I read a few years ago, it's one of the least expensive capital cities in Europe. Oh. So everything is, yeah, everything's good value. Wow, that's great to know. And what's the currency there? Uh, they're in the EU, yep. but they haven't yet adopted the euro. So the currency is the foreign, but everywhere, and I mean everywhere, accepts the euro. Oh, okay. So if you didn't want to change your euros, but you could, you could spend them there, but you will need to change dollars. Yes, definitely change dollars, but euros accepted everywhere. And unlike Germany, uh, cards seems to be accepted almost everywhere. Oh, well, that's quite exciting because uh, Germany is very much a cash economy. You found this lovely hotel, which I'll share later in the show notes. Tell me, did you start your tour with a hop on and hop off bus like you normally do? Almost. <laughs> we arrived <laughs> We arrived on the Thursday night. Yep. So I didn't want to go touring on Thursday night. So unpacked the bags um, and went straight out and started walking. Did not realise how central we were to the centre of town. Literally 120 yards, 150 yards. Okay. They have um, the Budapest Eye, very similar to the London Eye, and we could walk there in three minutes from the hotel. So that's like a big Ferris wheel. Big Ferris wheel that takes a bit of time to go round and you get a good view of the city. So we walked from there put Google Maps on mm-hmm. and started heading towards the river mm-hmm. and going through all the little nooks and crannies, the side streets. And I wanted to go and see this beautiful, wonderful um, palace. And as you walk up, you go through the roads, you come up, you first of all see the bridge going over the river. And then this ray of light just shines up at the castle and the palace. And it's just one of the most beautiful things you'll see. Wow. So we walked down to the Royal Palace and seen this beautiful, stunning palace overlooking the sea, overlooking the river. And uh, to the right of us was then the new Parliament buildings. So then we took a walk back towards the hotel, going up some nooks and crannies, found a couple of bars along the way, and there was a nice vibe. We went in January, so it was cold. Um, so wrap up well if you're going in January or February. It gets a little bit cold in Germany. Mm-hmm. But the, the, vi- the vibe was very warm. The people were very friendly. And then Friday morning, we started with a hop-on, hop-off bus. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> and how long did that take? Well, it's brilliant. You get a 48-hour pass, and it includes wow. a boat trip as well for €24. Euros. No, that's fantastic value. It's brilliant. So Saturday, the weather was pretty terrible, but it was, so it was good to be on the bus. So on the bus, you get the tour. They're, they're doing the, the talking over, um, telling you what the stops that you're stopping at, the history around the stops. Um, you can jump off at any time, and then you can go and take the boat trip. We took the boat trip in the middle of lashing rain coming down but it was still a wonderful trip because as you're on the boat you've got the palace on one side and the parliament on the other side um, what we found was a very interesting um, part of the parliament was when you when you're standing on parliament looking up towards the palace you assume yeah. that the kings made parliaments they could look down on everybody on the poor people on the pests of pests <laughs> the complete opposite okay. what it was the the people who'd done parliament found the most strategic spot that they could find on the other side of the river. So when the royals looked out from the palace, they would see that there's a parliament and the people are having an uprising and they're speaking, they're becoming their own people. They weren't going to be ruled. So it's a very strategic place. It's really cool. Fantastic. Yeah, I think um, Budapest actually has a lot of history and it was one of the 
um, first countries after the end of the communist period or the end of the Iron Curtain to overthrow its communist government, wasn't it? Yeah, 1990. The war came down in 89. Um, and in yep. 1990, um, they were doing things on their own. So they wow. moved pretty damn quick. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't they just? So does that mean they kind of embraced tourism since that period as well? Uh, yes, and tourism is a major, major factor for them. Hungary is a country of about 10 million people and mm -hmm. 2 million people live in Budapest. So oh, like 20% wow. of the population. We were there in January. It mm -hmm. was busy. And we were talking to the tour guides and said, how busy does it get in the summer months? And she says, you cannot move. It's wow. crazy. It's busy. So if you, if you want busyness, go uh, main season. If you want a bit quieter, go in the Januarys, the Februarys or, or something like that. Yeah, or maybe in between kind of like spring and autumn. So it's not so not so hot, not so crowded. And by all accounts, it does get a little bit hotter than Germany there as well. So, okay. Uh, but they have also, to help you cool down, uh, Budapest is known for their spas. So they have warm <gasps> spring natural spas all across the town. So wow. in the summer months, my daughter was there last year. You can just go spend the day, jump in and out of the thermal spas. And she said it was a really, really good time. So that must be something nice. January was a bit too cold to try it. So we avoided that one. Wow. And I don't think it's very expensive to stay in those spas either, is it? To no. um, visit them? No, it's not, not expensive at all. Clothes doing it for a few euros at a time. Wow, that's fantastic. I mean, you pay for a health spa somewhere else and it costs an absolute fortune. So you Especially can go in and, Germany. Yeah, you can go and use these like municipal spas for next to nothing. Correct. And it's a, it's a good way of socialising and enjoying the summer. Um, also on the bus tour, yep. we went up to the Royal Palace, as we mentioned. Um, then you go up to the highest points of uh, the city. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a statue up there. It's the Citadel area. There's okay. a small castle area up there as well, like um, with, uh, from many, many years ago. And then they have their own, very own Statue of Liberty that's standing atop with arms wide open, looking down on the city. And it's a fantastic place to get pictures it's one of those pictures you would have seen if you, people say uh, Budapest. You can see the Royal Palace to the left. Uh, you see the Danube and you see both sides of the city, Buda and Pest. And it's a, a really good spot to get up and have a picture and have a walk around. And could I walk up to that point if I fancied stretching my legs and getting off the bus? Or is it quite a, a bit of a hike? Remember, remember you talked about this place in Heidelberg that was quite yeah. a hike? Yeah, the Philosopher's this, Leg. <laughs> the Philosopher's Leg. This is probably going to be a bit more than that. So jump on the hop on hop bus. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. That's probably a little bit more than I'm capable of then. <laughs> yeah. Get, uh, there was a few people up there on motor scooters that looked like a fun, a fun way of doing it. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> um, also, as you're driving around on the bus, there's loads, loads to see. I'm just picking out a few points that, that mm -hmm. will stand out features. Um, the main Catholic um, church yep. is the St. Stephen's Basilica. And it's okay. a basilica right in the centre of town. It's beautiful. Uh, you can go in and uh, the hand of St. Stephen, the relic of St. Stephen is still in the church. Um, so that's really interesting to go there and see how all around the town's built up and become modern and uh, futuristic, but still trying to stay traditional. Mm. Um, from there, we went up to Hero Square. So like, like when I was in Russia, they're very proud of their heritage. They're very proud of their heroes. And mm -hmm. they have Hero Square from the wars that they've won. And you learn a lot there. And it's got the, the Welcome to Budapest signs. You can go get your pictures taken on there as well. And there's a big statue of the Archangel Gabriel there. And the legend says that he offered St. Stephen the crown of Hungary. So this is how St. Stephen became the first king of Hungary all those years ago. Oh, wow. Cool. You did dive into the history, didn't you? 
we done quite a bit. It, it went very quick. The tour, like I said, hop on, hop, hop off bus really gives you an insight into different things. Um, and then um, there's like loads of little markets. We stopped off at loads of little markets and they've got indoor markets, outdoor markets. Um, but we went in the indoor markets and the, the Hungarian red chili is everywhere. And there's, I, I got loads of pictures for Instagram of the market stalls of the fresh, the fruit veg, and then just got rows and rows of the Hungarian red chili. So it's, uh, it's good. And it's a little bit fiery, not crazy fiery, but a little bit fiery. Did you bring and some then, home? Uh, yes, of course. I brought a few of them home, but they are good. Um, and then there's some that we did on the last day. We went Saturday to look, but it was the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So on Sunday before we, we flew back, we went to the second largest synagogue in the world. Oh, and the um, the Jewish um, population of Hungary, like everywhere in the eastern Germany, was you know decimated um, by the, the, the Nazi era. So going there uh, was a very somber experience, um, learning all about what happened to the Hungarian Jews. Um, but it was absolutely essential. We went, um, and I would put it on anybody's list to go. It was a very, very good end to our trip it brought us back down to earth and uh, we're very glad we've done it mm, so quite a reflective point of the trip yes and then um then as you leave there they, they straight away start talking about history again and uh, they're very proud of their nobel peace winners peace prize winners they have at least 12 or so uh, nobel prize laureates so they're good very Lord. proud of that feat they're very proud of that as well so there's a couple of statues knocking around and there's stones and plaques to mark that. So they're very proud of that history as well. Wow. It's a very academic country then by the sounds of it. It is. Yeah. Medicine, mathematics. uh, They were were very, very proud of it all. And a lot because of like coming towards the second world war and stuff like that, a lot had to emigrate to America, to the UK. Mm. um, And that's, you know, there's a lot of Hungarians all over the place. Mm. Not as many as the Irish. We seem to be everywhere, but there's a lot of (laughs) Hungarians everywhere when you get down and start talking to people. Yeah, it's interesting. But when we're talking about um, these former communist countries, there is quite a lot of um, academic and cultural history because the communist governments did invest and support that element. So Russia, for example, has this amazing cultural base, including the the Russian National Ballet and the, or the Moscow City Ballet, which is, you know, world-renowned. And that has come from this communist era where the government has supported the arts so I guess that's something good that's come from that at least so um that kept you busy on uh, so you've done Friday night and Saturday night and what about where did you go for dinner let's talk about food come on you know that's my favorite subject John. okay well food oh what could I tell you about food it was great um as, as I think anyone who's listened to some of the podcasts before I like to try and find somewhere local um somewhere mm-hmm. that there's a mum and pop restaurant went to the yeah. trusty trip advisor and the number one restaurant, it was crazy, with seven and a half thousand reviews and four, four and a half stars out of five was a mum and pop restaurant called the Hungaricum Bistro. It's a small, tiny restaurant. If you're going to go, book early. It's a lot of meat. I didn't check the vegetarian options, I'm sorry. They may have them. And there was a lot of meat. Um, you went, there was like the red checkered tablecloths. There was the chilies hanging on the walls. There was a small but very good menu and some recommended house dishes. We ordered a pork knuckle. We had a bottle of wine. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> a bottle of wine um, and a goulash soup, obviously, the national dish. Yeah. And it was 42 euros. For both of you? For both. Wow. It was unbelievable. And the food was to die for. The, the, the pork knuckle comes out in a big tray 
with a knife sticking in the top of it and all the vegetables around it. And you're literally like a, a caveman with a knife, just carving a bit of meat off the bone and then passing it across. It was just succulent. It was ready. It was delicious. And the service was excellent. You have to book early, as I said a minute ago. They had a sign on the door. We were there Friday night. There was no spaces until Monday. And they must have turned away 50 to 100 people in the two hours we were in the restaurant. So did you book before you even arrived in Budapest? Always book restaurants that you want to go to before you get there. Because if you get there, uh, you'll be disappointed. A friend of mine, I told him about a great restaurant in Reims, another place we'll do later on in the series. Yeah. Uh, he just walked up there, went there, wanted to go to the restaurant. It was booked, couldn't get in. So if you, if you find a place you want to go to, book in advance. And it's always good to get Google Maps out and have a walk around and find it before you need to get there. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, this place sounds fantastic and so cheap as well. Yeah, the goulash soup was absolutely to die for. And when you leave, you obviously pay your bill and then they give you the recipe of the goulash soup so you can go home and make it yourself. So it's a really nice touch in the way that you're going to remember them. Oh, fantastic. That's brilliant. I love that idea. Yeah, it was great. And then you needed to walk back to the hotel because you, there was a lot of food. Yeah. But it was, it was excellent. And it, like I say, it was January. It was cold outside, but it was warm, cosy. It was mum, pop and the daughters serving the food. It was great. A real family run restaurant then. Real family run and very inexpensive. Fantastic. Yeah, well, I'll, we'll add the link to that in the show notes. That sounds like a definite recommendation. Okay, I'll definitely do that. So Saturday morning, before we started exploring after our bus tour from Friday, mm -hmm. we wanted to find a place, just we'd had breakfast at the hotel, wanted to find somewhere nice to go, start the day off, have a coffee and just look at the world around and plan mm. the day a little bit better. Yeah. We found it on the Hop On Hop bus tour and it's a must-see place, absolute must-see it. It's called the New York Cafe. That doesn't sound very it, Hungarian. <laughs> it doesn't, but they bill it as the most beautiful cafe in the world. Are they right? And believe me, it doesn't disappoint. Wow. You walk in, the ceilings are probably eight, nine metres high. The gold trimmings. You feel like you're in a very, very, very opulent palace is, is the feel of the place. Wow. And next to it is the hotel and the piano players playing the music. They had breakfast going on still. Was it like a buffet breakfast that they were serving? It was a buffet breakfast, yeah. I think you had to be part of the hotel for the buffet breakfast, but you could order eggs and stuff like that in the cafe. Okay. Um, we got there probably about 9.30, 10 o'clock, mm -hmm. and got in. As, as we were leaving, there was queues of people to come in. Wow. So it's a, a tourist trap that people go in. Everybody was taking pictures. There were selfies going on. Um, but it's definitely a must-stop place for a coffee, a, a Bloody Mary, uh, whatever you want to break your day up it was a we done it to start the day and it was a good start for the day oh wow that sounds fantastic I love knowing about places like that it sounds like that's somewhere else you need to book in advance or were you able to walk in at that time of the day uh you can book but you can also uh, just turn up they've got a line outside so if you turn up at the wrong time you might have a bit of a waiting time okay but it's definitely worth a visit if you can book and you're going to eat if you're certainly going to eat I would uh, book but if you're just going in for drinks it doesn't matter to wait a little bit and then during the day Stopped off for a coffees and uh, Cokes and a beer here and there. There was loads of little bars that you could just stop off. Uh, the Jewish Quarter is where all the markets are and is a real hip and happening place uh, with lots of little uh, nooks and crannies, local bars, lots of local businesses around there rather than the big chains. And that seems to be good for the nighttime and stuff like that as well. Mm, fantastic. And what about fine dining? Is there anything, if I fancied something a bit more upmarket? Well, Budapest has it all. Okay. What can I say? <laughs> I knew I you'd think, find somewhere. 
I think I had my finest meal ever in Budapest. Wow. Um, I loved Friday night, the mum and pop restaurant. It was brilliant. But then I wanted some fine dining. And uh, that was down to me to find rather than Ramona. So I, I went looking and I found a place called Caviar and Bull. We'll put some notes in at the end as well. It's in part of a restaurant. It's only been open for six or seven months when we went there. It hasn't yet got a Michelin star, but I bet the next time I go back, it does. Wow. The place is beautiful inside. We've done a, a nine-course meal. Uh, obviously, nine-course sounds a lot, but it all comes out quite small in that sort of restaurant. But the service was impeccable. The food was to die for. And then to uh, finish it off at night, they've got, they're making the cocktails behind the bar. The light's changing. The mood's changing. And we're just sitting there waiting for our dessert. And our, our waitress comes up to us and said, would you like to come and join us at the chef's table? And I was like, what have we done? She said, no, no, it's, this is good. Come with me. And went in, sitting at the chef's table in the kitchen, watching them prepare all the food. It was amazing. Wow, that sounds like a real treat. And obviously you booked that well in advance. Booked that in advance as well. And Caviar and Bull specialises, funnily enough, in caviar and steaks and lobster. And popcorn lobster is their signature dish. And it's well worth a go. I have no idea what popcorn lobster is. <laughs> <laughs> it's lobster, but looks like a popcorn. Okay. It, it's really, really tasty. Um, it's, it's, on the, it's on the tasting menu, so we can buy it separate. But we went for a tasting menu, so we could taste lots of different things. That was uh, definitely worth uh, worthwhile trying and probably the finest meal I've ever had. And I've eaten in some good places. Okay. Do you recall how much that cost? Yeah, it, wasn't, it, was, it was more expensive, obviously, but it was about... 140 euros for the two of us and with drinks wow that sounds amazing and i know that you're not a vegetarian and that hungary is a very meat orientated place but do you think i would find something on that menu for me i'd be pretty sure you'd find something on that menu yes brilliant so john it's clear from what you're saying you've spent um you spent a lot of time in the evenings wandering around the city late at night and looking at restaurants and bars and things like that did you feel quite safe walking around budapest Yes, definitely. I walked around early mornings during the day, night time. I felt safe. Uh, Ramona felt safe. We were walking around, felt good. Didn't see a lot of poverty, didn't see a lot of crime. You get, you know, maybe just with downtown city centre, it's a little bit different if you're out on the outskirts, I'm not sure, but absolutely we felt 100% fine. Great, brilliant. And was it, um, I know you like your city trips with Ramona, but is there some, is it a place you would take with your kids or does it feel like it's better to go as a couple or with friends? There was a lot of kids around. So yeah. I'm sure, I, we didn't take the kids this time. Um, so I'm sure there's a lot of things to do for kids. We didn't look for that. We just looked for the hop on, hop bus, getting around, having some food, seeing the sights. Um, but with the, the amount of kids knocking around, there must be stuff there to do for kids as well. Okay, but your trip was predominantly grown-ups spoiling themselves. Correct. <laughs> and I don't speak any Hungarian. Would I struggle to get by in Budapest? Uh, no, the, the Hungarians are absolutely brilliant. They speak about four or five different languages as per norm. And their, um, their normal daily day speaking language with tourists, obviously, is English. Their German's good, but normally English is the main language spoken there. Yeah. Um, so if I went to a restaurant in the evening, I'd be able to pick up a menu in English and speak to the way, you know, order food and drinks and things like that and get by. Every restaurant I went into, I noticed the English menus, obviously. Um, I noticed the German and uh, the, I'm sure there's different languages. Most Hungarians will speak three or four 
languages to, to make the tourists get by. Fantastic. So it sounds like, I mean, I go to Croatia a lot and it's kind of embarrassing when you speak to waiters there because they all speak about five or six different languages. It's <laughs> putting defi- us to shame. <laughs> putting us to massive shame. It's definitely the same there. It's so centralised Europe. It's a, a melting pot from the east to the west of Europe. You're getting the people come from the eastern block, the western block, or meeting in the middle, and English is the common denominator. Fantastic. So it's going to be a pretty easy city trip for Americans and English expats to, to take and get, get around. Absolutely. And one I would put very, very high up on the bucket list. I'm going back again for part two because I enjoyed it so much. Well, that sounds like a great way to end our tour of Budapest, John. I'd like to just go back to your point about booking the airline because you said you booked another one of these low-cost airlines and we use quite a few of them in um, in Europe, like Ryanair, um, Eurowings. You said you booked with Wow Airlines. I've never heard of them before. Uh, yeah, booked with Wow. They're flying out of Frankfurt. Um, I think Wow just started to do some stateside flights as well. Good. Um, and they're they're very inexpensive if you book early, obviously. No frills, you're paying for your food and drink on the airline. Mm-hmm. But it was they were clean, they were tidy, polite. You got exactly, exactly as what you paid for. Okay. But let's just talk about that a little bit because something that often catches people out who aren't used to these low-cost airlines in Europe is that when you book your seat on the plane, you're literally only booking your seat, aren't you? If you want to take on extra baggage you need to usually pay for that. So baggage that you put in the hold, you need to pay for, and you usually have a very small amount of hand baggage that you can take on the flight. You can normally take, I think it's 10 or 15 kilos maximum on the on the flight, depending on the airlines. Each airline's different. You've got to read the airline rules. Um, a small backpack, which is probably about all you're going to get uh, to carry on with you, and then everything else got to go in the hold. And again, when you go in the hold, you're limited to the amount of kilo. Mm that you can take some's 15 some's 20 it depends on the airlines and depends how much it's going to be a lot of the airlines make their money from the uh, you bringing on the baggage yeah and the other thing to be aware of is if you are a very good packer and i am not by the way if you can um do a weekend away with just a small overnight bag that you take on the airline and save the cost of paying for an extra bag you have to be really careful about the liquids that you carry and this is again something that might catch you out if you're used to internal flights in the u.s in Europe, we're required to take a one-liter clear plastic bag with any liquids and creams. So this would include your shampoos, toothpastes, even lip balms, and they have to. Each one of those has to be under a hundred milliliters each. So you can have one bag per person filled with your liquids that are in containers no bigger than 100 milliliters. And that is something I have seen catch a lot of Americans out at European airlines. And they're very strict on that rule. And if you don't stick to that, they'll literally take those products off you and throw them away in front of your eyes, which can be quite disappointing. Also, any liquids that you bring in to drink, like water or a coffee, Mm. nothing bigger than 100 mils is getting past that security. So if you've you've just went and bought a big bottle of water for the trip, it's not going with you. You have to buy it after you go through security. No, but you can drink it and take the empty bottle with you and refill it on the other side, which is something I do all the time. Okay. I've never <laughs> tried that one. Yeah. Um, so I don't think, I was just checking online, Americans don't need visas to visit Hungary, but they do need to have a valid passport that's good for at least 90 days after they visit the country. So that's fairly easy to um, to arrange. Um, we talked about the currency. Can you just remind me again what the currency is called? Because I've never heard of it. The currency is called Forint, F-O-R-I-N-T, Forint. 
But like I say, everybody uses Euro. Okay, that sounds great. And you flew from Frankfurt, which is pretty easy to access, I guess, by car from um, the Kaiserslautern Ramstein area. You can get to Frankfurt Airport in an hour from uh, uh, Ramstein, K-Town. Mm-hmm. Um, Wiesbaden, it's very close. Stuttgart will probably have flights as well. But Frankfurt is very easy to get to if you're local to the KMC area. Yeah, I think there's a there's an airline called Eurowings that flies out of Stuttgart a lot because we use it to fly to Croatia. Um, and that's, a, again, another... That's a low-cost airline, but it's actually part of Lufthansa. So um, it's slightly more luxurious than your basic low-cost airlines but the same rules apply you really do have to check the baggage allowance you have to check the hand luggage allowance and just be really careful that you don't get caught out like that definitely and just um just to finish off a friend of mine went to budapest the very next weekend after me mm-hmm. and he, he said to me john come along to budapest i said i'll do so i didn't tell him i was going i said i'll do some research i'll tell him if i'm going to book i might come i might not just winding them up a little bit and uh, it was only on the Saturday morning when he realised all the tips I'm giving him. He said to me, hey, are you actually in Budapest? I went, yeah, <laughs> I'm there now. And uh, so I sent him a few tips like, like we're doing now. He went to most of them and thoroughly enjoyed it. Brilliant. So your itinerary would be a great uh, blueprint for a three days in Budapest. I think so. The hop-on, hop-off bus, as we've said before with Berlin, is a great way of um, finding the city, exploring the city. Then, then the next day, walking around, get your feet uh, pounding the pavements. And uh, that's to me, that's a good way of finding the places, finding the city. Google Maps is fantastic. And talking of Google, Google does a new app, I think we mentioned it in Berlin, for flight tracking as well. So oh. look at the low-cost airlines. Try Google um, for the tracking of the flights to even get some cheaper flights with Google. That works pretty well. So try those out as well. And did you did you do your usual trick of booking your transport first and then finding the hotel? Yes. Okay, that's that, I like that. I like that tip. I've started using that now since you mentioned that. It's it's. I don't know why it took me so long to think about it. <laughs> we learn through experience. Brilliant. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a great place to leave it. Thanks for that, John. I have never been to Budapest, but I definitely now want to put it on my list. And all of those delicious restaurants sound fantastic. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me, explorers. Have fun, stay safe. We'll speak to you soon. I really hope you enjoyed our visit to Budapest in this episode. Budapest is often called the Pearl of the Danube or the Paris of the East. It sits at the crossroads of Western and Eastern Europe and manages to combine old world charm through its magnificent architecture and grand coffee houses with a modern lifestyle offering trendy cafes, bars and high-end restaurants and all for a really affordable price. Every week, I'm sharing a sustainable travel tip, something to make us all more mindful travellers and help us to reduce our impact on the planet as we explore more of it. This week, we're talking about takeaway coffee cups. It's estimated that 500 billion coffee cups are globally produced every year. These paper-based cups are usually lined with a membrane of plastic to make them waterproof, but it means they're not really recyclable alongside paper or cardboard. No one really knows how long it will take for these cups to decompose in landfill, but the current estimate is well over 50 years, and that's not even the plastic lid. So my recommendation is to buy yourself a reusable coffee cup and keep it in your bag. Many coffee shops in Germany now even offer a discount for bringing your own keep cup, as it's being called. Another tip is simply to slow down and treat yourself. Sit down and enjoy a proper cup of coffee in a cafe, 
and enjoy the moment. If we all took these small steps, we could help keep this unwanted trash out of circulation for good. I believe the best travellers leave nothing behind but a great impression and take nothing away but memories. Thank you for listening to Explore Europe. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you to the good guys at Used Car Guys for sponsoring today's episode. You can find them online at usedcarguys.net or on location at Kaiserslautern, Ramstein, Spangdalem and Wiesbaden. We'd love to hear from you, so tell us in the comment section where you'd like us to visit next. And let us know where you'll be exploring using the hashtag ExploreEurope on Twitter. See you next time, explorers.